Hello and welcome to Hampshire Hist Bites. Join us as we delve into the past and go on a journey to discover some of the county's best and occasionally unknown history. We'll be speaking to experts and enthusiasts and asking them to reveal some of our hidden heritage as well as share with you a few fascinating untold tales. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hampshire Hispites podcast. I'm Ellie and I'm here today with Dinah Johnson, founder and creator of the Handwritten Letter Appreciation Society. Hello Dinah. Hello Ellie. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you um, for having me. <laughs> we're going to do a quick chat on letter writing, which may not seem so important these days, but thanks to the recent pandemic, it's kind of made a comeback. And before then, Dinah, you were a big fan of letter writing anyway, weren't you? I was, yes. The pandemic, it's been a bit of bittersweet in terms of shining a light back on letter mm-hmm. writing. But I always think it's a silver lining in, in amongst all the sadness of it. But yes, I've always loved writing letters. And before the pandemic, we were trying to start a handwritten letter revival. So I set up the society back in October 2017 uh, and it's just been the most lovely time meeting so many like-minded people and yeah. yeah just finding out that people do still really like writing letters please tell me a little bit more for our listener what does the handwritten letter appreciation society do how does it work and what do you end up with well it started off as a bit of fun really just to do something with all this enthusiasm for letter writing it's just a really simple idea to encourage and inspire people to keep writing letters to each other that's the premise of the whole thing yeah so we're not a pen pal club I mean obviously people can write to me if they want to but it's more about getting people to write to their friends and family and spreading the word we do have membership obviously you don't have to be Mm -hmm. a member to write letters but if you wanted to be a member we have 363 members from (laughs) 21 countries on all seven continents. Oh, wow. (laughs) So uh, I had to gift membership to the Penguin Post Office in Antarctica because nobody lives there. So (laughs) the only continent we couldn't get anyone. And I did get a letter back from there that was written on a piece of barometer paper from the museum there. I don't know if I should be telling people that. I'm not sure she should have taken it (laughs) out. So if you want to join it... It, from the UK, it's £5 for life membership, and you yeah. get a personalised certificate, you get a little badge, and you get a postcard, which you can keep or send. It comes with an envelope, a little letter from me that goes with it. So we kind of got involved with this thanks to the new postbox movement on Twitter, didn't we? Yes, yeah, so I had been missing getting out and about, as mm. we all have in lockdown, and through the Postal Museum, they'd done something about a postcard that had possibly had a pillar box on it and I was thinking oh I'd love to see pillar boxes or post boxes in remote Mm. places started the post box Saturday hashtag and then bumped into the post box challenge in Hampshire and Winchester and it was just lovely to know that there were other people who equally were a little bit nerdy about post boxes (laughs) (laughs) although I'm not so much the nerd but I just love them yeah so it started with the post boxes and then we kind of turned our attention to the actual art of letter writing and thinking about why it was such an important is pastime the correct word? 
Well, I know people sort of think, see it as a sort of hobbyish thing, but for me, it's just always been something I've done. Yeah. And I think people who do write letters, it's just part of their life. But it's trying to get other people to do that as well. Yeah. But I would like to say about the irony about meeting people on Twitter and people would be like, well, how does that work if you're into <laughs> handwritten letters? How does that work? So I've always said that I'm not against the digital world. I love it as much as everybody else. I text people, you know, I yeah. email, I do all of that. It was just the to set the society up was because all this enthusiasm for writing letters and it was to put letters back on the map for people yeah. as much as anything. And the post boxes, yeah, they're these little portals. You can send a little bit of you and goes in an envelope and it, you pop it in this red pillar box, post box. Yeah. And then usually the very next day it's got to its destination in the UK. And that, that I found amazing. And they're just iconic, our post boxes. I have been trying to say to people, yeah, take a photo, but put a letter in one. Yeah. Otherwise you might end up losing them as well. Absolutely. So of course, letter writing became more available when Queen Victoria set up what was then the Royal Mail. Possibly the first recorded letter being written is from 500 BC from Queen Atossa in Persia. Oh, you've got a picture, I love it. <laughs> um, and, and then, of course, Queen Victoria brought in the first stamped letter in 1840, which made the hobby, pastime activity possibly far more available to a lot more people. Because before, to my knowledge, the letter was delivered by hand and was paid for on receipt. Yes. Depending yeah. on how long the letter was and how long the journey was. And so if you didn't have the money, you might not be able to accept it, would you? No, absolutely. And you were saying about it being a hobby or a pastime, but in those days, that was the only way of communicating, wasn't mm. it? And it, partly, this was why I set up the society as well, because from the 1990s, it obviously has dropped off with the birth of the internet. It's all really exciting and texting each other is brilliant, but it's kind of stopped then. So before, that was the way we communicated. Depending when you were born, I obviously remember, when <laughs> that was the only way to, to get a message to somebody. I mean, obviously we could telephone, we did have telephones as well, but I went on an expedition to Belize and we didn't have mobile phones. We were out mm. in the jungle and we did get aerograms. You prepaid, you know, I've kept the ones that I got then, I couldn't have kept a, a phone call. You know, no. So to keep that letter, it's like a museum exhibit. Obviously, people who didn't have the internet before the 1990s, that was a way of communicating. So once the internet came in, people sort of stopped it in that because it was much more convenient. Mm. You knew that whether somebody got your message or not. And it's only now we're sort of thinking of this handwritten letter revival. And with coronavirus, how... People have gone, oh yeah, actually when you're stuck at home on your own, getting a letter, or I've got this time now to write letters, I'd forgotten how lovely that was. With social media and things now, life is so open and, and you are essentially very vulnerable to a lot of people's opinions. With letter writing, do you find that people are more closed off or is it a different kind of openness, vulnerability? Well, the other things that I've been trying to encourage, a quiet revolution in the art of intimacy. So I'll tell you something in my letter and that's solely for you. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all of those with the society to get the message out there. And it's nice to share with millions, but also something really special about knowing that your letter is just to one other person. It's an audience of one. Mm. And I don't know if people know that a lot of children won't have or adults as well, won't have even had one letter that's purely for them. I'm like, that's really sad. I always feel that's up there with never seeing the sea or yeah. seeing a cow. So that intimacy, that 
one-to-one that we're, we're going to miss if we don't do this. You have to be quite resilient, whereas you don't in a letter. And I always joke with my society that I'm not the letter police. So you don't have to ask me. They just write what you want. I'm not a stickler for beautiful cursive handwriting or no. the right format. Obviously, if you want a letter in return, put your address on. Yeah. Try and, if you want it to get there, research the address that you want to send it. But it's the fact that it's from you. Fancy paper, fancy pens, beautiful, but that's not the message behind it is about actually writing to that person and i'd say the only golden rule we have for the society is to say to people not to share them on the internet no maybe quotes i think quotes are fine and obviously you can share it with loved ones in the house or friends and go look at this letter that i got but putting the whole letter without permission and it's an open letter that somebody wants you to put on the internet that's fine but it's that there's a bit of trust and i think that's what The lovely thing is, in my experience of writing letters and having that kind of communication with family members, is there's always a little detail in there that is solely for you. And when we use letters as primary sources in academic study or research, we cross those little lines. And in the same way, looking at somebody's Twitter account, we look far deeper into their lives and understand people on a different level. I think, like you're saying, you're finding a deeper insight into the people that you're researching in a historical context. You only have to do that with your own friends writing to each other. So I've got a friend who lives in Wareham and we've known each other 10, 15 years. Mm. But, but because I set up this society... I guess to humour me, my friend would write me letters. <laughs> we started to write more letters yeah. to each other. And you just see a side to them. My own children have sent letters to me in my own house. And again, there's sides of them. I thought I knew my children really well, but yeah. just also, that's really funny. There was a funny sense of humour on insights. And that is obviously the same for famous people in the past that you're researching. So it's being respectful of that information, I suppose, as well, isn't it, in terms of historical referencing yes absolutely so there's a couple of projects going on at academic level currently with letter writing and sharing letters does that then pose a problem for historians should we be looking at these letters should we be researching them as we do and referencing them in in works or do we leave the letters to lie because they are such personal artefacts. Where does the fine line go? I know, it's a fascinating question and I'm not sure I know the answer. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody feels voyeuristic reading mm. other people's letters. But if you're passionate about history and the people in it, yeah. you wouldn't miss that opportunity to read them, would you? And find out. So, I don't know. I, I guess if they're long gone, you know, they're not going to come back yeah. and haunt you <laughs> they, oh, they will <laughs> I mean, I'm worried sit, about that now here, we've got, I brought in a, a book that a friend gave me, Jane Austen's letters um, famous Hampshire resident Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there was one written on the 14th of September in 1804 and, and it is really interesting to see what she's written I mean I, it's all typed out mm. I, I love the fact that you see somebody's handwriting knowing a lot of people don't know their loved one's handwriting. That's part of the charm of letters and the magic of them, to see your loved one's handwriting or see a past person's handwriting because it says so much about them. It's just so well, it's unique to that person. I'm a sort of collector of my family's handwriting as well. So I, yes. think, oh, I want a bit of everyone's handwriting. I think people are always going to 
publish people's letters if the family are in agreement. So a letter, the physical letter, belongs mm. to the recipient. Right. But the words in the letter belong to the person who wrote it. Copyright, which is quite interesting. So there's a big project, the prize papers from the National Archives. That's a big ongoing thing. So these letters that were taken off boats that were captured, so 250 years ago, that were prizes. Mm. And so they're just working out and archiving what to do with them. Yeah. So letters that were going across to America, there's thousands of them. They've in- invented this technology, you can read them. I sort of think, part of me is like, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well just open it. But from a historian's point of view, I don't know whether it's better to keep it like that. It's a tricky one, but it sounds like a fascinating project. I had no idea that that was even going, or, or that the library held those artefacts. It was to do with, when they captured the boat, it was evidence that the boat was theirs. Right. They kept all the contents, and a lot of them were the letters that were on there as well. So there's 160,000 undelivered letters still in their mailbags. And the letters document the experience of ordinary people during the American and French Revolutionary Wars and even the Napoleonic conflicts. And they date from 1652 to 1815. That's brilliant, that they still survive and they're still there. And still unread. People's news, and some of it will be mundane, probably, but it meant so much more then, didn't it? Send mm. them letter, because you couldn't just ring ahead and go, did you get my letter? Did you get my news? Yeah. That bit of news in there, it might have contained exciting news, it might have contained mm. declarations of love or death, any of those things. Yeah. And they never got there, which yeah. I guess people might say, well, that happens these days yeah. as well. But there's other ways of getting a message, isn't there? The writing, the letters now, I mean, I always think that letters are in the here and now. It's about the in the moment you get it. And people do tend to keep letters. Yeah. So for historians in the future, there's going to be a gap, isn't there? Yeah. Um, for about 30 years when only a few hardcore letter writers carried on writing letters. So encouraging people to do that now means there will be mm. a more varied view of the world. With the art of letter writing sort of dying over the last 15 to 20 years, 30 years, that there'll be a lack of oral history on the time. I recently found my great-uncle's diary from the Blitz when he was 14, and we've transcribed that and, and typed it up. But it's just another opinion on what was happening, of somebody living through it, a voice that is now gone. Are we losing that aspect of history and of sources? Well, I think it obviously will exist. It's all on the internet and people's hard drives. It's whether we'll be able to access that. I I guess people will always keep old technology and be able to access it, but it won't be quite the same. And that's what's so brilliant about history is that so much of it you can hold still. Yes. You know, when you find a letter from grandparent to grandparent from 60 years ago or a relative's letter from... 150 years ago it's that oh my goodness this is real they held that they wrote this yeah and it's a different way of communicating isn't it we do share all our lives on the internet but it's not the same medium is it you sit down and write a letter you take the time to do it you think Mm. you document almost in a way not necessarily you're not doing it to document you're doing it to write a friendly letter hopefully but it's there isn't it it 
now everything's all sort of fragmented. You mm. sort of, well, we went to this barbecue and here's some pictures of it. And pulling all that together yeah. into like a story of somebody will be much harder. Whereas a letter is this thing that's, that's travelled through time, isn't it? And, it yeah. and it's from that moment. We will be able to piece people's lives together, but it just wouldn't be... It won't be the same. The same as having no. somebody's thoughts on Possibly paper. not as honest. Through my family photos and things like that, there's always a postcard. Postcards are... Are they at risk of going as well? There's an argument that postage is quite expensive. If you send lots and lots of postcards, then... You've got one little tiny bit to write on, haven't you, to send. It can be quite expensive, but the joy that gives somebody when you get a postcard and the fact that you can send that all the way to Scotland and it would get there in a day or two. So I don't begrudge the, the cost of postage, but postcards, I think there's been a bit of a revival. People collect postcards, don't they? I understand like people who collect stamps and postcards, but... I always feel they're, they're kind of made for sending. Mm. So those stamps there, yeah. I, mean, I should keep those, those lovely anniversary stamps, but I can't help myself but send them. Because I always think the person that gets this will be really excited yeah, to get absolutely. And it's the same with the postcard. I've got a whole box full of old postcards, and they're so fascinating. And I sort of feel like I should keep them, but I'm not going to send them. They need to be sent. Do you go out and do talks or events have you got anything planned that people can get involved in well obviously the current climate there's nothing this year we were meant to be going to the thomas hardy victorian fair mm. in dorchester to take letter writing so okay. all the celebrations will be happening next year for that because obviously thomas hardy was a avid letter writer wasn't he mm. much like jane austen but i would say actually when you write letters don't get hung up and think you've got to be as good as those yeah just you know just go for it the first year we had a shepherd's hut okay. from plank bridge and it was it was in a chelsea flower show garden oh and that was amazing just because i'd written to them and said yeah do you want to bring that and then the second year we had two gypsy caravans which brought a lot of people over but yeah it was really lovely we have our third birthday coming up. I was it's very exciting. I know, we were hoping to get to the Postal Museum up in London mm. to do something with the prize papers. I wasn't entirely sure what, yeah. but we were going to meet the keeper of the National Archives. But hopefully, some things will be on there. But it will also be on the on the website. Mm. I'll put the events up yeah. there. Which Perfect. I suppose what my final question then is: What are the perfect conditions for writing a letter? If you're very good at blocking out noise, then it doesn't matter anywhere. I always like to see where people write letters from. I have okay. my little letter-writing shed at the garden, yeah. which I've commandeered. <laughs> Family not allowed in it. <laughs> so I like to unplug, leave all the internet yeah. stuff, phones down in the house, and go in. But I went out on the coast the other day and sat and wrote some cards, such as sitting on a stone. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much, Tyler. This has been so interesting. And to any listener, let us know where you write your letters. And if you're interested in having a look at the Handwritten Letter Appreciation Society, we'll include all the links on our blog page. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about what we've been talking about, then please visit the website, winchesterheritageopendays.org. Click on Hampshire Histbites, and there you'll find today's show notes, as well as some links to more information. Thank you for listening. <laughs>